Okay, Russ Yeager, doing your thing. Whenever you're ready, take one. All right. Hey, this is Russ Yeager from RussYeager.com. You're listening to Jeff on Vroom Vroom Veer, and you need to listen up because you're probably going to learn something, and I guarantee you're going to have some fun. Perfect. You were supposed right? to screw up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I can that, do it again. No, 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 no. I, we don't We do not do do-overs just so you can screw up. We'll just laugh about it. All right, so I'm going to hit stop and make a new file, and I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Rob Scott. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Jeff, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. So you are at, uh, fortunately and easily, robscott.com. That's awesome. Very easy name. Very easy URL. So talk yeah. <laughs> briefly about what you're most excited about in your business today. Uh, wow. I, you know, I am all about helping human beings really shift profoundly. I do something called identity shifting. And so the level of coaching that I'm doing with people is really helping them edit self-concept way down at the, at the deepest levels of their, you know, their self-concept. We're shifting, you know, inner limits and, and limiting beliefs and, and things like that, that just become very, very valuable so that they can become quite actually a next version of themselves that's, you know, much more uh, complete and capable and confident and happy. And I'm moving more and more toward helping other coaches do that. So I coach a lot of coaches and yeah. And so trying to share these tools with other people so that in a lot of ways I can help the helpers and we can, you know, I'm really trying to shift uh, at the biggest level. I'm trying to shift consciousness on planet earth. That's awesome. And I have to admit something that's a little weird for me. Um, chatting with you and talking to you like way back when, geez, this is like early aughts. So mm-hmm. like 2005, 2006, seven, eight, nine in that region. Sure. I had, uh, I had a pot, I had a website blog thing called shift your consciousness. <laughs> wow. Look at that. And, and then I had another thing and it was all about like, it was called Shiftcast, and it was a podcast based on Shift Your Consciousness. So wow. when I started reading your stuff, I'm like, this is this is kind of like he's doing what I was trying to do. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And and maybe we could just become good friends, you know? Like I think it's uh, I think it's, it's exciting. Neat. I'm I'm yeah. loving the fact that more than one person has the same idea and the other person is way better at executing it because <laughs> you know, I've I've already figured out that I have a lot of good ideas that I'm not going to execute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm just happy when somebody else does the thing that I was not able to do. You know, having oh, an idea, awesome. having an idea is the easy thing. That's like super easy. Executing yes. an idea is where you get your paycheck. That is very true. <laughs> and it, it is the thing that tends to take time and energy and a whole lot of effort to, to make it a real thing <clears throat> in the world for sure. Amen. So yeah, that was always like a little twilight zone to me. I mean, just reading your stuff, I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> but yeah, I, I will say this: you you picked better keywords to wrap around your 
idea to shift your consciousness. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Shift yeah. your consciousness is not a good keyword set, just so you well, know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't hate it at all. It is it is what I'm trying to do. So it sounds, you know, to my ears that sounds obviously lovely, it but... sounds lovely to you, but mm-hmm. we're talking about Google, right? <laughs> true, true. Anyway, so I digress. Let's let's talk a little bit about Rob Scott when you were growing up. Where did you grow up? Yeah, I think one of the things that it really fuels everything that I'm working on. I I'm somebody who like you know, I think so many of us, or certainly too many of us, go through a lot of difficult abuse and dysfunction when you're really young. So for me, uh, I grew up in a in a household where uh, there was someone in my life that I used to be sent to to be uh, babysat, and he did a lot of things to me. Uh, not to not to start off super dark, but you know, it was a lot of of abuse and sexual abuse and rape, and that went on uh, in my life actually for years. And wow. what it what it did to me was it really didn't let me grow up with trust and safety and, uh, you know, really a, a good emotional landscape. I had to survive things that were uh, honestly a little too much for, for someone of that age to be able to deal with. So at a very young age, I got into uh, drinking and drugs and uh, partying and just wasn't... You were trying you know, to numb out the pain, basically. Right. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So I was I was using those things as tools to help me feel better and right. you know in one sense they work really really well. They they alter how you feel pretty quickly, right. but it leads to a ton of dysfunction. And so not to skip through it, you know, too quickly, that led to me being um, just barely showing up at school in any way. Right. Uh, luckily, I was smart enough to, to do okay through school, but I wasn't paying any attention or really applying myself in any way. A- after that, I ended up you know, very addicted as a late teen and into my 20s. I ended up homeless in and out of all kinds of institutions, you know, in and out of jails and rehabs and halfway houses and, and different things like that. I was homeless for a wow. long time. And then, wow. uh, you know... And this was the, all still in high school? No, no, no. This was like into my twenties and, oh, okay. and so that dysfunction from my teens right, and right. my twenties just got through. Right. Yeah, it just got worse and worse and worse. Quite honestly, it was it was more and more dysfunction. And I had my company's called Fundamental Shift, and this is maybe uh, the biggest veer right that I can speak into. I really had this wake up experience that was incredibly profound. I'm always I always try to be careful talking about it because it starts to sound very woo woo. But it was really that I started to see my own stories in a new way. I saw how much uh, I was carrying these limits into my every interaction. And so I started to notice how much I was carrying uh, what I call a victim identity into my life. And for that to remain true, I was finding ways to you know, continue to be a victim. You know, This went wrong, that went wrong. And there's a bit of a payoff for that. You know, As I was telling people about my life and how hard my life had been, I would get attention and oh poor you and wow aren't you tough and so there's these little payoffs but what I was waking up to was what would it be like if I put all that down and really came at this new and fresh and and how do you do that and what does that look like and uh, just to go very quickly through it I made this shift and I literally went from homeless uh, without a college degree without any kind of credentials at all and I ended up going up the corporate chain in just a handful of years and became vice president of technology at a company, uh, just became really highly functional. And what I realized was not only was I able to get really good results for myself, but I was able to help the people around me 
get really great results too. And just to add a detail, in the middle of that kind of corporate rise, I got really sick with cancer in the middle of that. So I, you know, I literally almost died from cancer, had to do a very aggressive uh, chemo, you know, over and over for, for a long time and, you know, had an operation, all the stuff, right? So I ended up in this place where I really know what it is to be emotionally dysfunctional, physically dysfunctional, mentally dysfunctional, and almost what it takes to come back from that. And so in about 2005, which podcasting had just come out, I started a podcast years ago. And very, in hindsight, wow, that was the early days of podcasting. Yeah, it was literally, you know, and <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, was right. I, I was one of the only shows I was one of the only shows out there. There weren't a ton of people listening, but of the people that were listening, lots of them started listening to me. And so I had people all over the world that started asking me for coaching. Wow. So I'm I'm this vice president of a company. I'm on the side doing this podcast where I'm trying to talk about conscious evolution and what is meditation and how do we get past our limits and all that stuff. And, you know, people in like Ireland and Canada and Australia were saying, what, how do I pay you to work with me? And so I ended up, I ended up talking to a close friend who was also my chiropractor at the time. And he was listening to the podcast. I don't think I even knew that at the time. And I said, oh, all these people ask for coaching. And he just goes, I would hire you right now for coaching. And I had really dismissed it. I was like, well, I'm not a coach. Like maybe I'm an author or a philosopher. I, you know, I don't know what I am yet, but right. I just have these ideas. And I cared about this guy so much. I was like, you know what, let's do it. And I just you know, named a number, started working with him. And very quickly, he started getting results. And this guy was a connector. And so all of a sudden, he started like funneling people to me Sure, and I had this full coaching practice. So I, you know, I and this left was my two thousand five ish. Still, this is two thousand five into two thousand six, like right. that time. And I decided to leave my corporate gig. Uh, I left a lot. I I was in a relationship with a phenomenal person who's still a close friend of mine. But that was something that I also decided to leave. And so I left this big house. I went from homeless to having a really nice house in Philadelphia. Uh, I left that. I ended up, you know, selling selling that to the person I was living with. Moved into a little apartment in South Philadelphia, and I really got into what is it like to uh, really help people change. And what I discovered was, I've been doing this since I was a little kid. I was the little guy trying to talk his parents into a different point of view when they were arguing, or you know, all these different things were going on. And so I had this almost like a skill set that was something that had helped me survive stuff. Right. And it became really, really functional. And, you know, I... So I it was then, almost like this organic thing that just grew out of your survival Well, it was set. a lovely discovery into right. what, my, what my purpose is, what I really want to do here on planet Earth. I'm so, you know, earnestly driven to really help people that are suffering because there is yeah. so much... basically. And it's so much, un- it's almost the human condition, right? right? right. And, I, yes. and I, I, I realized that there's a way to be where we don't have to have that same relationship with our own mentality, with our own emotional reality. There are really shortcuts that can very quickly and permanently shift those so that we find ourselves much more wise, much more resilient, much more able to experience happiness and joy and presence and all these different things. And so I really just dove in and I've been doing that ever since. So I guess I've been running this for, you know, 14 years or so and just went full time into, into coaching people. And since then I've built, you know, products and programs that I run a big group mastermind and, you know, 
uh, I'm just doing a lot with it. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled with what I'm working on. Yeah. It sounds amazing. <laughs> that's a lot to deal in, drill into. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry, sorry so, to no, give you the, no, no, that's great. It's, it's always, uh, it's amazing because I'm listening to this ginormous life brain dump and I could tell yeah. you've done that <clears throat> a lot. So good on you. And, uh, congratulations, uh, thank for you. Not only surviving, but thriving through adversity. So yeah, thank that's, you. Uh, it's pretty scary stuff that you went through. Um, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to drill down in a little bit of that stuff. Just, just absolutely not. Some, nope, absolutely, that's the no, whole, no, you that's can't. the whole thing. We can't, there's not another word to be said about it. We're done. This is it. Let's wrap the show right here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, go ahead. What, what would you like? <laughs> um, well, let's go back and talk a little bit about maybe starting in the, in the childhood and the abuse stuff. Yeah. Cause that made me think of like. Uh, what was that movie? Precious, I want to say. Was it where this this uh, this girl was getting raped and she was going into her fantasy world? And <laughs> um, just I don't. That's know. a great. That's a great pickup. It's really interesting because I, I hadn't thought about that in a while. But there was like the way I had to deal with that, and I have said some of this before, but I never thought about it exactly that way. To survive some of that stuff, you have to you have to like turn off your mind in a, in a, in a sense and go to other places. And the way I've described that in the past is it's, it's very much like you almost have to develop multiple personalities so that you can have versions of yourself that can kind of endure things and, and shut off. And I I recently was uh, coaching somebody who was talking about parenting and in the, in the, his corrections, he was noticing he was getting upset, but he watched his son just turn off and not listen at all. And I, I remember quite frequently when bad things were happening, I would go completely numb and just, you know, really not even be there. And it is, it is, uh, I think that's a, it's a defense mechanism. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a survival strategy that can be really effective to get you through that moment. But if you don't heal from that long term, you end up very split, very dysfunctional, very like that. That's not going to work in a healthy relationship with a partner today, right? To just turn off if they're saying something that's upsetting or whatever. So, so there's this movie that was basically universally hated um, that you might want to go back and check out. Okay. <laughs> um, well, let me let me write it down. This sounds exciting. Well, it, yeah, it's what? easy. Sucker okay. punch. Sucker punch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard of sucker punch? I don't think I have. Tell me the tell me the I'll give the you plot. the the um the short of it. Okay. So um, all of this stuff, the, all the commentary that I'm going to give you is, um, is speculation. Okay. From yeah. the internet. Okay. So you don't really know. <laughs> okay. But on the surface, right. Um, it's very much a cartoony action movie, right. Mm-hmm. And all of the protagonists are women and, and there's like these three different layers of reality in the movie. So there's mm-hmm. like, this they're really in an asylum right and they're and basically the main character is scheduled to get a lobotomy in two weeks if something dramatic doesn't happen Uh right okay that's one level and you you basically sometimes see that happening that world right where they're all in grungy clothes and then there's this other reality where they're all in a brothel and they're all made up and they're dancing. And whenever the main character dances, 
then they the, that dance is standing in for something, right? Mm. Right, and we don't they don't say what, right? It's very much a sucker punch. <laughs> I'm totally, I'm yeah, totally right? watching this. I'm totally gonna watch. Right, this. right. Yeah, and so then you, sold. you're all in to go ahead and assume what you want to assume about what's happening when she's dancing. But then when she's dancing, they go to another level of reality where all they're all flying superheroes with guns and doing karate and, and killing monsters in a yeah. gigantic, huge action movie way. Okay. So the idea there is every time she's dancing, she's actually getting raped Ooh. or gang raped. And I'm, yeah. again, that's a theory, right? Sure, sure. That you don't really know, and it's not going to give you that, but yeah. it's, you're, you're, it's all open to interpretation. So Wow. I know, right? <laughs> all wrapped up in, if you just watch it at that one level, mm-hmm. it's just this movie that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right, right. So yeah, so to me, I just I bought the the Blu-ray like right away. I was like, I gotta get into it. I gotta get into it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I thought of. Like, you know, that sort of like that horrific sort of like traumatic experience that you have to suffer, especially as a child. Mm -hmm. And she was basically a child in the movie. It's got to be just you've got to come up with these armoring techniques that you're not you're making up as you go just to survive. And then the repercussions of that. Yes. So did you ever get any sort of help um, for that? Like some sort of therapy or anything like that? So it's very funny. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I used to just eat through therapists, like just eat them up and I suppose. Right. spit them out because that makes sense. I was so, I was so angry and hurting and, and, you know, didn't want to conform with what authority told me to do or any of that stuff. And so, you know, we started getting into you know, maybe middle school, let's say, and before you know it, they're forcing me into therapy and so I would, I would have lots of fun. Like I, I remember one time my mom wanted me to go to see a, specifically a Christian counselor at one point. And so I, I, I did that for a while. And I used to horrify this poor therapist. I, I, uh, I, I remember her first name. I don't remember her last name right now. But I, I would like make her cry. Like I would tell her things that were so, so difficult and damaging. I don't mean to laugh about it, but it was, it was, you right. know, it was a, pl- it was almost a pleasure for me to show her like how hard life could be that she didn't understand. And it was, you know, so right. anyway, it was, it was, no, I, I get would that. go, I get that. Yeah. I would, I would go through these things and some were, you know, I ended up having uh, one, it, I got institutionalized at one point and that came with, uh, you know, uh, psychological help with this guy and his name was Harvey and he was amazing and he was very helpful later in life when I really chose to do it on my own. Uh, I went and had a guy who I still talk to to this day. I had a conversation with him earlier today, as a matter of fact. And he is somebody who really helped me amazingly. Uh, his name is Will Holm and just a, a phenomenal counselor and somebody who had uh, his own addiction stuff and he'd been sober mm-hmm. for a long time. And right. I was specifically It's almost like him- the, the person you need. It was, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways, he became a father figure to me. He became mm-hmm. just somebody I really trusted. But a he sympathetic was, ear, somebody on your yeah, side. He was, yeah. he was somebody who'd been through a lot of what I'd been through. Right. And uh, just was... It's almost like you, you know, need that, at that young age, you almost need the recovery movement sort of totally. therapy. And where so you're just really, talking about the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, Not I mean, just the came, bullshit and the pain, right? Right. So this yeah. was, you know, I was now in my 30s when this happened. So this was like oh, early wow. in my 30s okay. where I'd finally committed to, you know, I went through that whole corporate rise and I had quit 
really heavy stuff because I had been I had been addicted to all the heavy ones, like all the heavy hitters. I was into you know heroin and crack and just like real, real, real bad stuff. Literally, if 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 they'd said there was a worse drug, I would have been running to be first in line for it because I was so self-destructive and trying to escape and right. trying to not feel and all that stuff. And so to become that shift that took me into the corporate world, I'd set some new boundaries for myself, but I was still uh, drinking. Damaged. Right. I was still, well, I was still drinking and smoking weed. I had, I had all these rules about my consumption. So I was like, okay, right. I, w- I won't buy cocaine, but if somebody like leaves me a line on the back of the toilet, <laughs> I'll do it. Um, I won't, I won't do acid, but I'll do shrooms because they're natural. Right. Right. Like it right. Was like, right. It, it was this yep. kind of navigation. I've, I've done these things. These yeah, ne- and ne- I ended negotiating up, with your vices, I call it. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, no heroin, nothing intravenous. We won't be doing any of right, that. Right, like there right. were these really there clear boundaries lines about, on your vices. Okay. Yeah. And so I became successful, but I was if, in reality, if you looked at it, I was still like a functioning alcoholic, right? I was still a functioning functioning uh, you, you drug got addict. to basically baseline us normal yes exactly and, but i was also <laughs> i was in a place where we were primarily an advertising company at the time and mm. so it was a very sexy environment so we had things like beer friday right and everybody be drinking and so i could go out to lunch and because i was good at tech but i was also could do the sales part i was getting invited into sales meetings where there was drinking and i drank really well quote unquote like i could drink a lot and right. still highly functioned. So I would go out to lunch and have four martinis, come back, lead a meeting, and it was just no big deal. And so it wasn't like I had to hide it necessarily. I was so effective at the job that like the, if I didn't show up till 11 in the morning, the head of HR would go over and like move my chair around. So it looked to the company (laughs) like I was there, but she knew I wasn't in yet. You're just nursing a hangover. Right. So it it was incredibly dysfunctional, but I was functioning pretty highly in it and all that. And so at that job, it, 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 I just got done with, I wanted to have a relationship with consciousness that was direct. I didn't want to alter my consciousness anymore. And wow. I had been forced in and out of things like AA and all these things. And they just didn't, that really never resonated with me. Hmm. And I talked to a friend who had some sobriety at the time. And I was like, you know, oh, I'm just really bummed. And he said, you should talk to this guy, which is this Wilhelm uh, guy. And so I went into him not sober, but talking about like, I want to be sober. And so what does that look like? And you know, I think six months later, I got sober. I'm sober now over 16 years. And uh, it was just a phenomenal experience and almost a different way into that. So I still, you know, I'm very in touch with 12-step programs and have a lot of respect for it. I help clients get to that sometimes when that's important. I love those principles. And actually through working with this guy, a lot of those principles are in what we do, okay. but I don't, I don't go to meetings or I don't spend a lot of time doing that. Not that I wouldn't, but I just, you know, that hasn't been my path. Sure. And, and yeah, but it, it's been really, really incredible. But that commitment to get sober, it really changed that corporate experience. So the last probably couple years of that corporate experience, I was now sober and how that whole job related to me. It was almost like I had died and they were like, who's this new guy who's no longer... <laughs> Who's new, no longer smoking or drinking? Rob. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I was in. I was in the elevator That's with the great. CEO, who was a yeah. phenomenal, successful human who, you know, isn't unhealthy necessarily in his drinking. You know, I, but but enjoyed drinking and had that kind of fun culture at the company and everything. Right. And he looked at me and I told him that he's like, "Did you quit smoking and drinking?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Man, I wish you'd only quit smoking." Like he, it was this comment where you know he just he missed going out and having a drink with me, you know? Right. And, and it wasn't that I wouldn't go out. I, the whole time I would still go to bars, but I'm just getting water. But it really is a different version because there's a version of me 
four martinis in that's on top of a table, like getting the whole room to do shots. <laughs> Right. And there's the that guy. version yeah. yes. that's really Loud interested in guy. Yeah. Well, right. But yeah. there's the other version that's like really interested in consciousness and right. what you're really sad about. Right. Like, you know, like what, what can we, what can we talk about or fix here? So uh, I became a very different person in that experience, which so you're you know, starting to fit in a little bit less there probably. I'm starting to what fit it. Yeah. yeah. And it was, <clears throat> it was, I mean, it wasn't like I became an outcast or anything, but it was very different. And it, it really solidified for me the purpose of what I wanted to do, right? So when I started the podcast and I started to see that it was helping people and people started asking for coaching and I could help people, whether or not that was ever going to make me the same kind of money or whatever, I was just like, oh, that's that's what I need to do. That's that's what I'm called and interested in and, and, right. and care to be focusing on. And luckily, I've been able to build it up so I can make a lot more money now than I ever made then. And it's you know it's been something that I didn't have to put down that success to do it, but it's been... Um, I would have, you know, mm -hmm. had it been something where it's like, okay, you can only barely survive doing this. I still would choose it, you know? Right, right. No, so, I get yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about meditation and when you found it and uh, how your practices evolved. Sure. I know you're into it. So let's, yeah, let's get so, into that a little bit. Where in your story did you start or maybe discover the effectiveness or that you liked it or did you not like it? How, what? Sure. So yeah, yeah I think I, I had a couple of, I had a couple of, you know, run-ins with it where I saw the value of it and I understood it, but I remember the one where it was really an epiphany and it was, I think I was either about to be sober or getting sober. So again, probably, you know, 15 years ago or so. And I, I remember having this thought where, okay, I should be able to move my attention to my breath and just stop thinking. Like, why would that be hard to do? <laughs> right. And so yes. I, I decided, and I, I remember I was like on a bus, literally, I think going oh, into yeah. work or something. That's perfect. And, and so I just moved my attention to my breath and I realized I could only get to like one or two breaths before some thought was happening. And I, I, I'm sitting there going like, who's doing this thinking? Like, I, I'm not doing this thinking. Where's this thinking coming from and why can I control it? And so very quickly, it became something where I was deeply interested in, in like, where are these thoughts coming from? What's driving them? What's the control of my attention? Why is my attention scattered when I'm choosing for it not to be all these things? And so I started playing with it. And I've really found a few ways. I have a, I have a free program that, that people can check out called Back to Breath, which is... Mm. Uh, a way it's a seven day meditation challenge where you could literally pick, you know, Hey, I, I want to try and sit for a minute a day for seven days and see what that is. But each day I give you a different way to play with your attention and your awareness. And people really, people who have been sitting for 10 years, go through that and they go, wow, I never quite heard it like that because our attention is really the whole game, right? If we, if we can't focus on, you know, our happiness, then if we're, if we're lost in thought because we're so scattered, we're not going to really be where joy lives, which is right here in this moment, present, having a laugh, you know, doing that really fully. And in our doing, if we can't focus into what's most important and leave our mind there with some, you know, uh, if we're instead ruminating over something we're sad about or if we're scattered and, you know, can't stop scrolling and all that stuff, then we have no power over our attention. And so what's really foundational to living a good life is starting to see you know, and, and gain mastery over like, where is my attention? And, and what am I, you know, how can I manage that differently? And so I've come up with some really good tools to help people, you know, shift into that very quickly. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So did you have any sort of like uh, books or teachers or techniques that, that you, that were fundamental to that discovery or did you just make it up on your own? Yeah. I mean, I really, I think I did make it up. There's, there's okay. some distinctions. Well, right. I mean, there's great books, you know, there's a lot of great books on it, but not, um, you know, can, can I share kind of, of the, the foundational idea? Yeah, of course. Um, I think that what is really helpful with our attention is to realize that there's only two places that our attention can be. Our attention can either be in thought or our attention can be in experience, right? And okay. so so if my attention is in thought, it might be in the future. I might be thinking about the future. It mm -hmm. might be in the past. It mm -hmm. could be fully in imagination. And noticing that your attention is a place that if you're thinking about the past, that's where your attention is as mm. a place. It's in the past. If it's with a movie, my attention is with the movie. That's a different place. But if you move your attention to what your feet feel like, mm -hmm. that's a very different experience. And if you move your attention to what your breath feels like or what your seat feels like, mm -hmm. literally moving your attention there is, is the act of being able to move your attention around and have more uh, agency and where your attention is. And so as you start to realize that, okay, all of my thoughts, most of my thoughts are capturing me. I'm believing them. I'm getting anxious about them. I'm getting mm -hmm. here. Yeah, Having yeah, right. a cutoff to be able to come back to breath just as the anchor to, to drop whatever you're attached to in the moment and come into physical sensation, you start to realize that you calm down. You start to get in touch with the beauty of the moment. You start to be able to um, you know, just really not get lost in thought because mm. most people are just continually lost in this thought, the next thought. They think they have to figure something out. They're right. you know, completely overwhelmed by that. And we're only getting more choice and more places where our attention can be captured. And you know, everything we're seeing with the news and advertisers and everything, it's a constant fight for your attention. Right. Right. So, right. It's so the news attention is, economy, as they it's say. It's the attention yes. economy, right? The the news is trying to sensationalize itself so right. that we get worried so that we pay attention and they can make money off the clicks. Advertisers are trying to pull your attention over here. And if you don't have any mastery over what your attention is doing, you become much more a victim of that system than somebody that can navigate it maturely and wisely and, and resiliently. That's nice. And I, yeah. I, I well, you know, I think everybody that comes new to meditation, at least me and most people that I hear talking mm -hmm. about failing at meditation, which, yeah. you know, after you've done it for a while, you kind of want to go, oh, come here. <laughs> I want to so, tell you yeah. what, what you're talking about. Well, <clears throat> what's funny is, I mean, there's no such thing as failing. I know. It because it's, right. it's not, right. right? So that, but as that As long idea, as you're trying and then, yeah, I mean, I think. But what's interesting is that idea of failing is just another idea, right? right? So that, right. that's just another thought or judgment about something. And so, when you notice you're doing that, can you put it down and literally be like, what's my breath feel like right, right. now? What's my breath feel where, like? Where, right? do, where do I feel pain in my body at this moment? Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, all and these then, old tricks. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but then the judgment of that pain is different than the experience of that pain. So for sure, you know, like you've got a, you've got a, a low back problem. What we don't notice often is that we're often making up extra and, and suffering about it. Right. So like pain right. and suffering are not the same thing right? Pain is the physical sensation in your back, which you can just look at and be with and whatever. The suffering is, uh, I like to say this, suffering is, is the difference between what is and what you would like to be, mm -hmm. right? So Arguing how, with what is, right? 
Yeah. However, you know, as soon as you're not with what is, you're starting to split into, if you're resisting what is to whatever degree, then your suffering begins. And if it's just a little bit of resistance, you're only suffering a little bit. But if it's a lot, like this is completely not okay, whatever's going on is not okay. Now you're suffering enormously. So step one is, can you come back in and accept what is? There may be something that needs to change. I might need to do stuff for my back or I might need to fix a relationship or whatever. But can ground zero be... And a true, you know, spiritual level kind of acceptance of what is where you're really not resisting it. And you can watch physical pain actually change in the moment. You can watch your emotional landscape immediately change if you're capable of that. But most people are, are not very good at that. They stay very attached to how they expect it to be or want it to be. And now they're just complaining either to themselves or to everybody around them with how bad it is and this is horrible and that's horrible, et cetera. Yeah. Or, you know, I, uh, I had an experience with this sort of like arguing with now. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. So whenever I, my wife is from Japan. So since we've been married, we've flown back to Japan if we weren't living there, you know, mm -hmm. and that's a lot, right? That's yeah. just a long trip. How long <laughs> is that trip? I don't even it's know. It's a really it? long time. Um, so anywhere from eight to 12 hours in a plane yep. and then blah, blah time. That seems like it lasts forever. Right. So, and that, that would be longer time. for me because I'm on the other coast. So, right, yeah, right, that's, right. That's, right. So, in the past, I'm always just like, I, I caught myself, right? Um, sort of like whining to the world inside my head. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and obviously the world can't hear me whining. <laughs> mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. man, I am really torturing myself about. Yes why doesn't everybody know I just want to be in bed now? You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then at some point I, I woke up to that. I was doing that. Right. Yeah. And I, and then instead when I caught myself whining on the airplane in the airport, I would come up with new and interesting tricks about like, like what you said, it was just like, how bad am I off right now? Mm -hmm. Am I really, you know, okay. Yes. I'm a little tired. I'm a little, uh, annoyed. I'm a little uncomfortable. Can I get up and stretch? Would that make me feel a little bit better? Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. so I would come up with all these tricks and just stop fucking whining to myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. essentially what you're doing. And let me tell you, it's like, and then I get to the airport and I'm like, oh yeah, I've got six more hours of screwing yeah. around and I got to ride at the train. Whatever. I have a beer and a sandwich and I'm not on that plane anymore. This yes. is pretty awesome right now. You know? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Well, it's funny. I mean, now is the whole game because there only right. is there now. is only and, is now. And, yeah. And so what what's happening for most of us is we're on this treadmill of becoming, right? In this moment, through messaging or through my own mentality or whatever, I'm not enough. This isn't enough. I don't have enough good friends. I don't have enough money. I don't live in the right place. I don't have the mm. right car. Right. It's all this critique or judgment or thought You're about consciously programming yourself. <laughs> that is that is separating me from seeing and being grateful for what is, for noticing the good things, right? We get right. really good at noticing the differences. And what happens is we all want to get, and you can't see me, but I'm throwing air quotes. We all want to get there, yes. right? There's some, yes. there's some there. Right. And, and a lot of coaches will say, well, do you have there really defined? Because if you define there for you, like in all kinds of specifics, you can help to get there better or whatever. Um, many of us don't, we just know there's a different there. It, it should be different than here, but we don't e even know exactly what that is. But here's the trick that very few people actually get really in touch with. There is no there. There's no such thing as there. It's always here. 
And, <laughs> right. and even if we get really good, and you'll see this in wealthy people who can accomplish a lot, but they're not very good at appreciating, what happens is our ability to appreciate now is actually like a muscle. It's it's a it's you know it's a it's an ability to be grateful. It's an ability to be present. It's an ability to do these things. And that muscle of the mind atrophies as you get really obsessed in time and thought. So you're it's all there, there, there. So you can actually accomplish those goals, but you're not very good at appreciating it once you get there, whatever there is. And so you just because you're never really there. <laughs> yeah, you've actually you've actually created another there, right? So now you've made the million dollars and it's not good enough. And so why why isn't it 10? Why don't I have the Bentley yet? Why don't I have the right girlfriend? Why don't I have whatever that is? And so where we're actually trying to get to is here in a way that here feels amazing and here feels, you know, uh, where I can be happy, fulfilled, where I really love what I am. And it doesn't mean that I don't have that judgment muscle. It doesn't mean I still don't have preferences and I don't want to grow, but can I, can I have that muscle of presence and appreciation and now be very, very loud in my life so I can at least leave one foot in that and really be appreciative. And what happens from there, people think that that means you're going to end up meditating on a rock somewhere and doing nothing over the rest of your life because you just love this moment. Not one person's ever done that. The Buddha didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. Nobody, Nobody who's been enlightened or woken up did that, they all tend to then go teach and do these really incredibly meaningful things. You go back after down the that. world. Right. Right. Because there is there is this passage of time. And so, you know, to go create dinner, I still have to think and model and think of what I'm going to do. Right. So thinking in time has a place, but we're missing this real deep gravity of how amazing this moment can be, how amazing a song can be, how amazing the sunrise is, these things that are really the spice and the beauty of life. We miss them because we're modeling, well, it'll be better when I make this money or when I finally get the right girlfriend or when whatever these things as, you as know, I, come as up. As I get older, I find that the beauty of life is really in mundane moments that mm. you are present for. And so yes. I made up this, this phrase that I like that I noticed uh, when I was on a bus, like you were on a bus, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was just sitting there on the bus, sort of, and then having that sort of like... <sighs> four-year-old yeah. contentment kind of moment, yes, you know? Yes, yes, And I'm looking at everybody else on the bus and they are in their phone swiping left and swiping totally. left and swiping left. <laughs> right. Or They're they got their headphones. They're in some form of their right. suffering. Right, 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 right. And I'm just having what I like to lovingly refer to as a mundazing moment. <laughs> of just, Dude, I love that. I yeah, love that. Just, it's mundazing. <laughs> it's mundazing, right. Yeah. And I'm just watching everybody hate themselves on this bus and I'm just yeah. loving it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. uh, yeah. So, right. Anyway, that's what that was when you said that. Uh, it's the cool. bus I, thing. I, I, I want to, I want to share as much mundazing as I can. That's, right. that's what I'm, I'm trying to get people in touch with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the thing, the thing that you remember about life that's important is having another cup of coffee with your mom and dad or something. Mm, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. how many more of those mundazing moments am I going to have before it's time to go to the next thing? You know, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the big spectacular things that you put on your website that nobody gives a shit. But we know that cognitively, if you're into these big experiences and this, this is true for like a big drug experience or, you know, I went to Ibiza and danced with the hottest women or whatever, you know, right. whatever, the, whatever your, you know, I, I had the most amazing wedding day, like whatever it is for people, it actually trains the brain to like, it, it almost resets how high our excitement level needs to be to feel happy. Right. right. And so, so it, it actually, it may be amazing in that moment, but it comes with this cost of then we're not as good at 
you know, appreciating these mundane moments because our yes. system is is more set up to go, well, that's what was fun. So we, we start to pattern ourselves into craving more and bigger and better things. I have two and, comments. Yeah, go ahead. So first one was, um, I'm not supposed to say, so I'll leave out some details, but <laughs> there was, a, there was a, a zookeeper that thought it would be a good idea to give him a no kidding birthday cake, <clears throat> you know, a birthday cake. Not What's a no kidding birthday cake? A no kidding birthday is. cake is a birthday cake made for a human, but they were going to feed it to an elephant for their birthday. Uh, okay. So it wasn't like made of, you know, vegetables and things that uh, an elephant yep. should eat. <laughs> it was made right. of sugar and eggs and flour, right? What actually humans should eat right, also. Right, but yeah, uh, right. <laughs> right. So I was skipping ahead because I know the story. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. So they feed this this birthday cake to this elephant and it ruined him for months because oh, wow. he didn't want to eat his uh, elephant food anymore because he mm -hmm. had never had sugar. So that talks to your, oh my God, kind of ruining your brain experience. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And then the other thing was uh, when I was very young, like 18, 19, some, somewhere like that, I did a talent show in the Air Force at the Air Force Base. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was in a talent show for um, Master of Ceremonies, the MC guy, sort of like Ryan Seacrest on uh, a TV show. Yeah. Um, and then I also did comedy, like stand-up comedy. And I really stunk at comedy, but I was really good <laughs> at the MC thing. Just mm -hmm. being like the extemporaneous speaker, kind of, you know, riffing and being funny and right. But... That high that I got off of that whole weekend experience was the most addictive feeling drug experience I ever had. Right. In my life. <laughs> right. Right. And I came coming down from that high. The only thing I could think of was, wow, that shit's dangerous. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It and I, I yes. love that because that is that is kind of the seed of addiction, right? We get yes. this big impulse. Yes. And it doesn't have to be to substances. It can be to, you know, it's like just I mean, a, for, any mind altering experience, you know, for a young, for a young man, you know, pornography, like whatever, right. right? We, we end up with these really uh, sort of uh, special different peak experiences and then we can get attached and we, we get coded into, Oh, I need that to feel a certain way. There's right. something outside myself to feel this way. And uh, you know, the, the thing that's great is once you understand what I'm trying to share with people you, you, I don't want to imply that you have to avoid those great peak experiences, but they get they get deeply right sized so that you realize that it's not the party that's doing it. You can still enjoy the party and probably enjoy it more because you right. actually are really present and really you know in it deeply. Um, I like to I like to share it with uh, with a story like this. Imagine being with a ton of friends and you're having this blast and it's so much fun. So often we will, in the middle of the huge guffaws and laughter and all the fun, you go, oh my gosh, guys, like we got to do this again. Why don't we schedule this? Like, let's, let's figure out a time. Can we do this every month? Like, how do we do it? Right, right. And you've, you've actually left the joy of the moment to right. get into like, how can I control this and do this again? And other people are laughing and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll schedule it or whatever. But you're there like, no, but like, this is so we special. We got to put I it on everybody's calendar right now. How do we do it? And, and you've immediately left the thing, but we don't notice that we're leaving the actual joy where if you had just been present with that, you could then leave that moment. And that same joy could be the experience of like a cab ride home 
where you're having this really deep conversation with a cabbie and understanding something different and it's beautiful and maybe it's raining and you're like loving what the city looks like and everything. But that other person is, is back there going like, oh, I bet people aren't going to follow up. And, um, you know, they're on creating an event right. on Facebook for, to meet again. And, you know, and it's, we get lost into that control and planning and trying to hold on to these peak experiences rather than knowing that in any moment you can be really connected to kind of what's arising and what's really beautiful and happening right there, right? And so I mean, that mind of being in experience instead of being in thought or, you know, it, that is the, that's the secret sauce, right? That's the fundamental, yes. Yeah. That's yes. the mundazing sort of just developing that muscle to notice. Correct. You yeah. leaving the moment really mm -hmm. is the yeah. key. I think. And it's, there's no shame about it. It's just that is a function of your brain. That next thought yeah, will come yeah. up. I mean, right? and you're never, I mean, obviously we don't stop that. That's not the goal of, of right. sitting there going, it's not like you, you're a machine with a, uh, I've got a switch that says present now. <laughs> Correct. But what we, <laughs> what we can do is, what we can do is stop the attachment to that or the yeah. un, unconscious, yeah. yeah, the unconscious sort of getting lost in it. Right. So right. You know, I could be in a conversation with somebody and they're telling me all the stories of their life and then they look at me and they go, and that's just reality, right? And it's mm. like, well, yeah, but like none of that stuff is actually really happening now. That's all in your mind. That's your interpretation. Right. That's what you think the future is going to bring. <laughs> it, it's not It's not actually reality at all. It's all in your head, right? Correct. And so, yeah, so understanding the difference between what is reality and what is thought about reality is a, a very, very, you know, fundamental skill to figure out. This has been a blast, but we are wrapping up now. I know nice. it, it feels weird that we've been talking for almost an hour, but we That's have. crazy. I know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. Wow. I know. That was fun. Um, so let's, as we wrap up, let's talk a little bit more about uh, all the different stuff you got going on at robscott.com. I know you got a mastermind. You got a coaching community. Talk about all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that's, that's, you know, really, it's sort of like the best deal out there as far as uh, if anybody wanted to get involved with what I do, you could join our fundamental shift coaching group. And it's, it's incredibly affordable. It comes with monthly group coaching with me, but it also comes with a suite of personal development products that I've created. So that back to breath programs in there, something called hacking happy, which really shows you what to do with your attention and your awareness, something called recode your mind, which is how to get at your deepest unconscious limits and shift them. Uh, all those come with it and you can be working on those and whatever's most important to do. And then also in this live group coaching and, and join the group. That's amazing. The deeper work I do is called identity shifting. I right. run a, a, a high-end mastermind for that. And uh, yeah, if, if anybody wants to do that, that's by application. You end up on the phone with me seeing if it's a good fit. And, uh, and yeah, those are, the, those are the two things right now that I'm most excited about and, and you know, could help someone out there if they want to grow and change. Talk a little bit about what you talk about on your Rob Scott podcast. Yeah. Oh, there's the podcast too. So <laughs> I, I, that's not the first podcast from years ago. Probably the biggest business mistake I ever made was to stop that original podcast. Cause hey, I think podcast I, is a lot of work. It is. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know it at the time. I mean, I got into coaching and then I was like, Oh, I'll focus on this and that'll be how I share this stuff. And little did I know that, you know, people who started five years after me are now the biggest shows in the world. So I, right. you know, I really could have been ahead of the curve there. Uh, but anyway, that original podcast is out there. That's called Fundamental Shift. I have something now called the Rob Scott Show, 
where we're just we're trying to share the best personal development tips and you know little hacks and tricks and all that stuff. I do that with uh, with someone on my team named Sarah, who's you know one of my favorite people in the world. And yeah, we just we get in and we we try to share the best stuff that we got about you know attention and how do you shift emotions and how do you get out of being stuck and have your best life. Amazing. So this has been a blast. Thank you. Uh, I think it was perfect. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Yeah, this has been amazing. Many more times. Um, I will will come back anytime. It's an absolute pleasure. I love doing this with you. All right. Thanks, man. You have a good day. You too, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.